Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm Derek Riley, I'm with Charlie Smith, and welcome to Dirty Water, an hour of swinging discourse where opinion is everything, where facts are really yanked out of our kimonos. Today's guest on Dirty Water is the King Jesus of Wave Pools. He got his surf chops thread in caves at Big Rock on La Jolla, San Diego, and has spent the last 35 years trying to recreate similar thrills at the punch of a button. In 1987, our guest sold his share in a bunch of theme parks he developed and invented a standing wave that ended up being installed in over 200 joints in 35 countries. In 1999, the Swiss watch company Swatch toured his standing wave, which is called Bruticus Maximus, and that caused more permanent injuries in one year than Chopu in the last 30 around the world. From Florence to Munich, Vienna, Hanover, Long Beach, San Diego, Manila and Sydney, with Tony Hawk, Kelly Slater and Terry A. Harkinson wowing crowds with a surf-snow-skate combo of airs and tubes. Our guest's real goal, however, was a wave that didn't involve standing waves and finless miniboards. As computer tech got better, he deepened his research on the different ways of making waves. Hydraulics, plows, boats. He ended up using pneumatics, which is pretty much wind power, to birth his newest invention called Wavelock and being used right now as the tech behind the Palm Springs Surf Club currently in the proof of concept phase and only half the size of his proposed build. He's a good-looking man, soft-spoken and hard-working. He told his mama that all the girls loved him because he looked like Robert Duvall, only skinny and with muscles. He's a big man, long and lanky, with white hands marked with scars. He is Mr. Thomas J. Lochtefeld. All good, all good, thank you. Are you are you yeah. currently cooking in North County, San Diego, Tom? Cooking. It's nice out. I was out How surfing perfect this is morning. It? Yeah, this is great. We just got to move to Hawaii is what we did. Hawaii yeah, was slightly chilly water. <laughs> I know. I was out in my booties because I my feet all got messed up. So anyway. Were you surfing ocean waves, Tom? Well, what's that again? Were you surfing ocean waves? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, I got to, absolutely got to. You don't, you don't have a uh, flow rider in your backyard? No, not anymore. Did you, at one point? Well, I had, you know, down at, in uh, Mission Beach, you know, that was basically my private little wave there for years, and then I sold it, so, you know, so that was fun. That was pretty recent though, when you sold, um, or your, your flow rider biz to, uh, to someone, huh? Yeah, I sold the Flowrider business to Whitewater, which is this big water park firm. They were one of my licensees for the Flowrider. And then um, I, but what I had is I had this other business, Wave House, where, you know, it was bar, restaurant, all that. And it had the, had the waves in it. That's, that's where I, uh, that's where I would ride, you know, on the sheet waves, sheet waves. But now we're focusing on the real stuff. The juice. Juice, the juice is here. The juice is happening in Palm Springs. That's it. We got, that's step one. That's step Test. One. <laughs> real, real quick, at the Wave House, what was your cocktail to wave ratio? You know, uh, actually, back then I did drink a lot. I kind of, <laughs> I've, I've ebbed in my alcoholic consumption. There's just the downside the next morning is just too much. Can't handle it. Anyway, that's part of the process, right? So that's part of the damn process. It, it was very intellectual, at least stimulating. 
It absolutely always. <laughs> I think one of the best things about the flow riders, and um, I remember riding it in when I lived in France, but we happened to be in Munich, and it was 1999 when the Swatch Tour was happening, yeah. and and it was it was surfing and drinking as as a sport because everyone was drinking, all the pros would be drinking, you'd be drunk, and the drunk you got, the better you rode that dang thing. Oh man, I remember uh, two Australian guys. Oh, let me think. The the Huey, the Huey guys, right? Uh, oh, the is. Yeah, who who were the? They were top. They won. Like like I'm spacing out on their names. The Harringtons? No, it was uh, Darringtons. They were on the. They were on the uh, tour. Josh and, uh, Josh? No, no, not Josh. Uh, oh God, it'll come to me. Just let, let me. Josh is Josh is just a slightly crazy hooey, not a not a mad hooey. <laughs> I could not believe how much these guys would drink. These these. Australian pros, man. Insane. They would stay up all night, party, come in the next day, surf, you know. Oh God. Incredible. Is that the set was that the San Diego White House? No, no. That was in uh that was when we were in Munich. Oh right. And then those same guys we kind of took the whole entourage, you know. Went Munich, Hanover, and then uh went over to it was in Philippines and Manila went to uh, uh, well in Italy at the Piazza de Michelangelo. That was pretty Milan, huh? In Florence, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, in Florence. Yeah, it's insane. Part. I mean, you talk about a party, man. That thing was, <laughs> it was just nonstop. <laughs> and the wipeouts were better than Chopu. Oh God! I think more people no, have been injured at, on the flow ride than they have at Chopu in thirty years. You know, one time it was Mark Opelupko came over and we were in San Diego and I said, look, guys, it was, it was him and Luke Egan. I said, guys, it's low tide. You know, you got to be careful when you come off because it went into the pit, you know, and then you get swirled around and you had to grab onto the rope. Anyway, Aki had just won the, the world, the, you know, the championship, right? This was what? In, in 99? Yeah, nine, right after in 99, I think, right? And so, sure enough, he comes off, jams his ankle right, right before the trestles event. <laughs> so, what do I do, right? Of course, I'm, I'm sitting here with all the millions of dollars. And I go out. He's in his car. His foot's elevated. And I say, hey, Aki, do you mind signing the release of liability? <laughs> <laughs> And what did you say? Oh, Tom, I'm really sorry, but I can't sign that. I might be able to have my ass. No, he went ahead and signed it. Just like that. It's classic Aki. Couldn't believe it. Oh, what a legend. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is legendary behavior right now. To sign a liability <laughs> release after the fact is, is yeah, hats off. Now Aki is my favorite surfer. Yeah. Gentleman. Just a classic gentleman. Yeah. I think I think it's pretty hard for people to understand now, just how big the flow rider was in the, the uh, mid '90s and late '90s when you had Terry Harkinson and Tony Hawk and Billy Bryan and uh, and Kelly all yeah. riding. I think it was such a big deal at the time, huh? Yeah, yeah. Bruce Irons and and uh, who there was there was a whole litany of guys that would come through, you know. And it was I think part of it was the the parties were so great. I mean, they were. And then the other thing, it was difficult. So they all were on equal footing 
And it was such a show. I mean, when we did the one in, in Vienna, we had in four days, we had over a million and a half people came through and saw this thing. It was, it was insane. You know, it was, it was classic. So, the numbers the WSL County dreamed about, huh? I mean, my goodness. Like, yeah. why worry on, yeah, waves anymore? Let's just redo the Flowrider. I'm in. <laughs> you know what? You know what else is, was kind of interesting? The guys who could ride and, and versus who couldn't ride. They're, you know, like Bruce Irons, the second he got there, he just was instantly on, just carving. So, same with Terry, right? But then, like, the older school guys, let's say, like, Tom Curran, no, no. He couldn't get it, could not get it. And, like, Lopez and a lot of the other guys, because, you know, they just weren't the aerial, you know, kind of like either foot direction. They were really tracked, and you can't be that way. So it was, it was very entertaining. Is that running now that Tom Curran actually rides a flow rider surfboard in the surf? I know, isn't that that is amazing? <laughs> amazing. I mean, rides he, Tom Curran rides waves like he's riding a flow rider at this point. Yeah, exactly. You know, and a lot of the and the other thing is a lot of the those the, you know how the transition over the past probably what twenty years is really in surfing has been a lot of the slabs and and slab type waves because. When that the way that shelf is and the and the wave hits, you know, and that water's just sucking out back over coming right at you. It really is like a flow rider. You know? So it's there are certain analogies and it did definitely tweak a few I like smacked and broke my collarbone here. You know? So it was a good little test. You know, although what I did learn, because as a surfer, when I first did it, <clears throat> the whole reason why I did the Flowbird or Wave House was so that I could build a place for the flow barrel, because that thing was a total economic loser. So I had to figure out, well, how do I make it viable? <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm going to put the restaurant, retail. And, and in doing that, though, I figured out, kind of that the business side of that but what what you do is you'd have this opportunity to create these the the food and beverage sales would go up like 25 30 percent when you flipped it on but it was uh it was a little bit dangerous and so but surfing you know it's kind of like well figure it out you guys you know that's your problem not mine so as long as that but being an attorney of course i had him sign all the waivers and disclosure <laughs> So, yeah, it's amazing. You've got, you've got a couple of degrees. You've got uh, a Bachelor of Science with a, a side bugging track in neurophysiology, and I think, and, um, and you've got your um, you know, law degree with, uh, in taxation. Yeah, yeah, that was because I was really good at tax stuff. And because uh, how someone, you get it, what, what makes someone good at tax stuff? You got, you got to be a basically, how do you get around things? You read yeah. the words. And then you figure out, well, they said this way, you could go this way, this way, this way, this way, you know, that's a trick. So, you know, I was good. I'm good at that. That's what I do. Well, not anymore, but I could. <laughs> how, did, how did a tax lawyer come up with a uh, standing wave, the sheet wave, and then, you know, and now the wave up? Well, it starts out, 
the, the, the lawyer thing, the whole reason I became an attorney was because I couldn't write. I was actually better at math science. I, that's where I went to Ravel College, you know, and I was, I was uh, at UCSD. So, but because I couldn't write, I figured, well, I better go the opposite direction and do something that I can't do so I could kind of figure it out. So that's why I, I <laughs> you know, and then when I went to, the other thing I was, got into philosophy and reading like a lot of, you know, phenomenology, Merleau-Ponty or Wittgenstein or, you know, Heidegger. I mean, all these wacko. Wow. Were you, were you, were you a Heidegger fan? I was, you know. Boozy Banger? <laughs> I mean, and that's, and be honest, that's why I like Beach Grit. Because I know, <laughs> I know how smart you guys are. I know there's a lot of your readers that the comments that you see, oh man, that peanut gallery, oh man, it's heavy. And the thing is, you know, you're sitting here going, God, man, there are smart people out there and they're so much faster than I am. I could never go that quick in their way they do. And you guys see it all the time, I'm sure, you know? I mean, our commentariat puts me to shame every single day. Like, yeah, they're a smart, weird bunch of people. But, but I got a question for you, both of you guys. Okay, you guys write up, you come up with an idea, right? You write it up. How many times do you go back and edit your piece, you know, and kind of tune it and polish it and chop do this, you know? You Derek? <laughs> well, we have a policy where if we, make it, if we fuck up, we don't correct it in the text. But, and so, because quite often people will pick it up in the comment, they'll pick it up within about 30 seconds if there's a grammatical error or if there's a factual error. So in that case, it would um, be pretty poor form of us if we, uh, if we corrected it and made the comment look stupid. So we always leave that in there. But um, quite often I'll go back and say, fuck that sentence was a little bit rough and I'll tidy it up and tidy it up and tidy it up. And sometimes, pretty rarely, because Chaz has got a better sense of the technical aspect of writing than me, but sometimes I go in and um, chuck in a couple of <laughs> paragraph breaks and, uh, and full stops for Chaz. But yeah, yeah do, we don't uh, say factual or grammatical things we fuck up that someone has noticed, but if no one's noticed it, sometimes I go in and, and fix it. I just, got, I just got really a very funny email from a reader who actually was listening to the podcast talking when we were talking about Waco. Uh, it was the, um, what's his name podcast? Who's the, Oh, uh, Shane um, Magnuson. Yeah. Oh, it's Shane. Magnuson. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, that podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we were talking about Waco, the deaths in Waco. And I threw out that it was 163, just totally straight faced and kept going with it. And he said, <laughs> I looked it up and it was 74 and you're 163 as totally factual <laughs> Without without pausing, made me laugh so hard. So, uh, I think it was actually seventy. Wrong. I think it was seventy six. If you include that Koresh. Oh really? Yeah. No, one he you know, I checked it after our podcast. Like, oh, yeah. How, how many white Christians were incinerated right? by the police? But I was one sixty three straight face. One sixty three is pretty good. Really thinking that, that was true. So yeah, that was the, that's the beauty of Beach Grid. I was always thinking you're true. No, I tell you, Beach Grid is the masters of tongue and cheek. You, know, no doubt. you and Sir Walter Scott, man. <laughs> so, so Tom, tell us, so tell us how you transitioned from being a tax tax lawyer to to first you went to theme parks, didn't you? Water parks. Yeah, I. Well, well, first the most important thing. I, I grew up surfing, you know, in San Diego, La Jolla, and 
part of it was because I'm always, I love to build things, although I'm no good with my hands. I still love, I kind of like figured out conceptually how to use my brain to do it, you know, and then I could hire people that were better than me. So I started out, uh, I was, I, I, I started buying when I was in school, right? In, 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 uh, this primarily I started in U, at USC. I started buying property, real estate, apartment buildings and hotels. And I'd like, and I'd sweet talk this banker into giving me a $90,000 uh, 90-day note. So what I'd do is I'd go use the 90000 I'd put it down on a piece. This was back in the 70s, so you got to realize properties were a lot cheaper. You know? so That's I'd a ton the, of money for the 70s. And I was like, bam, put it down, and I'd flip it, and then I'd go and do another one, I'd flip it. So I'd make it, I'd make so much more money than I was actually doing in taxes. So I figured, okay, I'm going to go... I'm going to start into real estate, but then these real estate brokers were so dumb, I just couldn't handle it. So I had to get out of that. And there was a guy who was a developer who had done Seaport Village in San Diego, which is these marine, marina villages. So I basically partnered up with him. And then what happened in, I think that was in nine, no, uh, yeah, 1980. Yeah, 80, 1980, the, the market, the interest rates went just through the roof. It went up to like 21%, you know, it, it was just so wacko. That was because um, they were trying to stamp out inflation. So, so what I did then is he had, a, he brought in his steel partner and we bought, we bought, you know, we said, oh, we're going to go build a water park, you know, because <laughs> the only water parks that existed at the time were, were, wet and wild in Florida. And so we, we, bid, on, we bid on this county land in, in LA and that's where we did Raging Waters. And then I kind of had started the whole thing up and you know, who, no one knew what they were doing. So I had a lot, huge latitude. I'd sit out there and spray paint can, put it on this ground. Okay, there's the river. <laughs> and then make the children's area and do this over there. So that's where I started with the whole intent. I kid you not, my whole purpose was I wanted to surf the wave pool. I wanted to make this wave pool. So, and then, but there was such a piece of shit when it was done that I, you know, promised myself I was going to like, okay, I got to figure this surf thing out, you know, because what am I doing here if it's, you know, my goal is I want to be surfing. So it took a three years. I went ahead and ended up selling out to Paramount, sold, sold that whole deal out, the Raging Waters deals. And then I had, I had money. And so for three years, I didn't work. And all I did is say, okay, what am I going to do? I said, you got this window of opportunity. So I said, I'm going to design, because I knew then the water park world. And to me, that was the only window of economic viability to be able to create a product that you could sell. So that's how Flowrider came about. So that's where I invented the whole Flowrider. Was just I thought through the entire process, said you know it's got to be, you know, relatively small, low, you know, relatively low energy. You know, you got to go. You go down all the costs, operating costs, capital costs you know, safety, all those things. So you just keep shaping the thing. You're constantly shaping it as you go. 
So that's where the flow rider came up. And then I invented other stuff too that I'd license out like these uphill water slides, master blaster and all this stuff. So um, with that, that's when I also uh, did, well, I did the flow rider for about 20 years because the problem was you couldn't do real waves very well. And the reason was there wasn't the computer horsepower. We didn't have, the cost was too high. And I knew I, I had to get into the actual modeling and we use the hydrodynamic right now. Man, I got these guys that are just insane. You know, they, they run all the, because you solve for these Stokes-Navier equations, which are just kind of disorder, well, they're fluid flow stuff. But what, you, what you're trying to do in essence is you come up with the, you know, the way we approach it is you make these particles. It's like you're dealing with water molecules, right? In a basin, you define the basin and then you just go bam, and set it off. Oh, that, but that brings me to, I wanna go back to one point. Cause Derek, I sent you that one article. It was, it was on that MIT deal with the wave patterns from, you know, when someone becomes, you know, you have a sperm and an egg and the egg hits the sperm and it sends out waves. Did you, did you get that? When you, you, when you, when that? you sent me anything that has sperm and eggs and I just start losing my mind. And it's funny because you say that, I look behind you and it looks like a giant dildo with a red ball on it. <laughs> what the fuck is that? You're a bad motherfucker. You're, you're a rich, crazy, wave-making motherfucker with a, with a fucking giant dildo with a red ball. So when you send me sperm and egg shit, I just go, woo. Give us my sperm. But I, I mean, you got to admit, that was, that was classic. You know, you had the, the, the way that the egg, the, you know, and that it transmits its information to build and subdivide, you know, start making more cells, is through wave patterns. And the same wave patterns, I mean, I, I constantly see this stuff, you know, in the nature. I mean, that's how you, you got to, you like jump from thing to thing to thing, and it just all relates. And everything deals with waves and patterns. So coming back to what I was talking about, you, you got the, uh, we can create these, you create a dissonance, you create a disturbance inside a pool of water. And we can tell wherever it's going to go, you know, whatever it's going to do. So that way we can shape the perfect wave, whatever you want we can do. You know, there's no, we will get absolutely get there. You're going to be able to program from your desktop or your phone, whatever wave you want. It's only, I would say it's probably 10 years off, you know? So wait, two questions real quick here. First, is the Palm Springs pool going to have like a crazy sexual theme <laughs> in terms of, I mean, you should have sperm hitting egg as the, <laughs> as the logo, huh? As the logo. And then the entire thing, it should, you don't get a key when you show up, right? <laughs> you get to reach into a basket of keys. There's two in there, right? Yeah. yeah. You end up in a room with, with at the end of your surf session with whoever grabbed the other key, et cetera, et cetera. Palm Springs, for pity's sake. It's, it's an oasis of free love. Pity you want to get but then, or Kalani. <laughs> you, yeah. You guys got to promise like me that. You tied on horse. Jesus. <laughs> you got to promise. You got to at least put the link to that MIT article so your readers don't think I'm a total. Bullshit, right? You know, there's some substance. 
<laughs> but Tom, where did the inspiration come from the from the standing wave? Was that a had you been watching rivers or was it just something that came to you in a dream? Uh, it was actually a dream, but it was logical reduction. So, you know, so it just it, you just shrink it down to the bare bones, the minimum. You know, what I mean, how do you make the thing as tight as can be? Well, you can't make it real wave. You got to make it fake wave. You know, so and but it was and it's such a it is a blast. It's a lot of fun. So anyway, do you remember the response? I remember um, I was one of my first jobs. I was working at a, a bodyboard magazine called Riptide. And the Schlitterbahn came online and it was the standing wave and those bodyboarders getting, you know, 40 second tubes, whatever. And it was the greatest thing anyone had ever seen, but it, it didn't really permeate the surfing world at the time because it was purely bodyboarding. But within that community, it was, um, it was groundbreaking. It was kind of like surfacing Kelly's pool for the first time. Well, in the same way with the body, bodyboarders were first at Chopu, you know, they, the bodyboarders pioneered so many things ahead of the surf community, you know? But yeah, that was like uh, Pat Caldwell and 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 Stuart, Mike Stewart was there, and and uh, Jay Real, and there was a number of guy, other guys that were there. All the top bodyboards, such good guys. So <laughs> it's ironic. Texas is, it becomes the the pioneer of um, of wave parks, and you know, now now it's BSR, and BSR changed um, the whole thing. Changed surfing more, far more than Kelly's pool, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did did Kelly and those and WSL come to you? And I mean, what's what's the relationship there? Or is it two ships in the night? No, and no, do you no. Feel, no, yeah. I have I have a really good relationship with Kelly. Um, he he and I. Wait, this goes back to two thousand because I was going to build the tech for him. What he where he wanted to go, and. But then I think it got caught up in the business side of thing, and and it that so it just didn't work out, you know. And and I think they would have been better had they <laughs> gone with me, you know, because they didn't. I don't think that <laughs> they didn't want to pay the, the what because I knew what it was going to cost to do all the modeling yeah. and to do it. You know, I knew what it was going to cost. They didn't have a clue. But anyway, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes, you know. But no, I, do, I do, no go ahead. Do you feel in this arms race though? Because now we, we're in a proper, I mean, imagine from Flowrider to a full on wave pool arms race with different techs. And so it's properly like we have the Soviet Union. Who's the Soviet Union? Is it? Oh, the, uh, that's that's Whitewater. It's a new yeah. one. You, you guys haven't seen them yet. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the dark slave, isn't it? They're the dark star. Yeah. Yeah, talk, talk, talk to me about Whitewater because didn't they get the Paris contract with their endless wave tech? Yes. Yes. Is that a version of something that you'd sold them? No, it's actually a copy, copy of American Wave Machine. Ah, so that's pneumatics as well, isn't it? Yeah. They, that feels more like China to me than Soviet Union, to be honest. They, they hired the engineer, the, the, the previous engineer from, from uh, American Wave, Clement. Wow. And they just, just created their own sort of um, version of it. Yeah, and it's going to be full-on litigation. You got to you got to do an interview with those with probably with Bruce again and ask him about it. See if Bruce will get any detail. No, he he'll never would because it's litigation. Right? Everyone <laughs> but, clams but Bruce, up. But Bruce used to work for you before he started American Wave Machines, though. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So was yeah, he taking basketball time, or he, was he a genius? He worked eight years roughly for me. 
He's a good guy. I really like Chris. And the American Wave Machines, to me, seems one of the best techs because, um, you know, BSR, for me, is the most attractive of all the, all the Wave technologies. Can you go through, you know, um, American Wave Machines, Kelly and Wave Garden and yours and just, just explain the differences and what works yeah. and what doesn't? Yeah. Okay. Waves, if... You're thinking sex again, Tommy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you just caught a, a reflection of a giant dildo. I just saw it again. Jesus Christ. It takes a lot of experience to enjoy that thing. So, waves are in traditional, call it, uh, what I say, traditional in the right word. Um, in the ocean, let's use that as the paradigm because that's the best you know, vehicle. <clears throat> it's a disturbance. You got to win. You got wind or you can have a tsunami, one or the other, right? <laughs> so, but let's take the typical one, wind. So you're getting the surface disturbance. That's, that's going to cause the friction, which, you know, there's a whole, whole process that goes through. It ends up making the waves that most surfers totally understand, right? So what we do is from a, call it a surf pool perspective, for the most part, with, when you're dealing with wave manufacturers, and this would be Wave Garden um, or American Wave or Surflock, not Slater, that, that's a different one, or the, call it Wave Garden numeral uno. The, what happens is, in, in tr call it typical wave formation, you make a disturbance. If, if you're gonna go ahead and, and, from the way I look at it, you're gonna make that wave you got to cut out the whole fetch, which is thousands of miles, right? So what you do is you do redu reduction again, and you get right to the point, and we create the wave right before it breaks. That's what, that's what we do. And there's a certain stroke, so to speak, <laughs> that, that translates into that water motion that results in the wave, but it's extremely precise. Now, there's ways you can make it simpler, which is what American Wave Machines does. And it's very, very simple. And, and they, with the way they organize their reef and the wave, when the wave comes out, they just progressively synchronize their caisson firing, you know, as it goes along. And that results in their wave. It's almost like it instantly comes out and hits the, hits the reef and breaks. We don't do that. We actually replicate the, the ocean wave and we can have it break anywhere we want in any part of the pool. That's a lot harder, okay? The math is much more complex. Okay, then on the flip side with Slater, it, it, what you have is they're a plow. You just got this big plow and that plow goes to the water and it just slices off the water and you get a supercritical stream flow it just forms into the shape of a wave. And it's just how you slice the water that creates that wave. The downside of what Slater's doing, which everyone, you know, familiar, is number one, there's a there's the huge mass transport. You get all that white water going into shore. And then secondly, it, and well, that ends up being just such a massive disturbance that it takes four minutes, you know, or whatever their current one, maybe it's down to two now, for the water to get calm enough because the currents are so significant. Um, and 
similar is the Murphy's Wave. I think you guys seen that one, or or even Whitewater originally did. There was a there's a twisted history there, but the one in Typhoon Lagoon or the one in Al Ain, those what they do is they lift up a big chunk of water and then they drop it. But that's the same kind as a tsunami, because what happens is that water just lays on top and it and it and it then there's no and the thing is, if you look closely at Slater's video, for example, his very first one, and towards the three, I think it was like three minute mark or something like that, there was a photographer sitting in the water and Slater was coming right toward him. <clears throat> that, you can see there's absolutely zero water motion at the photographer. And he's in, in a wave in the beach, that water would be sucking back out as the wave approaches. So it, that's why there's no bottom, so to speak, or there's no, there's, you know, and this is what I think the big fight, if you recall, that Weber was having with Slater about no trough to the wave in Slater's wave. That's true. There's no trough. And that results in a, and with the water coming at you because it's sliced off of the, the uh, you know, the, his plow, it's, it's a weirder, I mean, I didn't surf Kelly's wave, but I developed, I rode, I made my own waves like that. Probably uh, me and another guy, Chuck Sauerberg, we did that like 30 years ago, you know? And, and then we did this whole series and I even surfed my own. I built inside the plunge building at, 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 in San Diego, Wave House. And uh, uh, it, it's okay, you know? I mean, we could surf it. It was fun, but there's so many drop. I mean, I probably spent a million bucks doing that and I threw it out because I knew in the end of the day, nah, it was a loser, you know? So, which is going to happen. Any well, so anyway, to get back to your ultimate question, um, where this thing's going with all these different texts and who's going to prevail, I do not sure. know. But there's going to be losers, right? It's Absolutely. not like, oh, we, we have point breaks and we have beach breaks. Like, everything's fun, right? In this world, things are going to fail. Absolutely. And, yeah. and that one, the one in Yapoon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to say anything. <laughs> say something. I'm, I'm very interested for a man like yourself who spent the last 35 years more, I guess, um, developing wave pools. What do you think of the giant plunger? Uh, it was so classic. I couldn't, unbelievable that they could raise that money and do that. I mean, my hat's off to them, man. They are salesmen, <laughs> salesmen to the ultimate degree, you know? So that in and of itself is worthy. It is so worthy, you know? Now, will it be successful? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Oh, the capital. They have five waves. You, they have five the, whole waves. Here, I'll tell you why. There's a whole bunch of reasons. One, number one, capital costs. Nah, that's just absurd. Two, the size. You, don't, you know, I mean, think about it. You can't build a pool like that. I mean, the liner, because you still need reefs, right? You got to shape this stuff. All that, you, what are you going to do? You pour that out of concrete, you know how much that's going to cost? The liner thing, forget it. You saw what happened there, liner. It just blew up in a heartbeat, you know? It's never going to stay. Never. Liners are absolute losers. So 
in in this context you know why do you have to have liners i was curious when when shane was talking about the liner blowing up at waco i was thinking who can why, why not rip the liner out like isn't the isn't the bottom contoured already is there something extra the liners adding besides safety it the, maybe the primary reason for the liner is waterproofing and you can't because if you did it over dirt <laughs> you talk about how bad the, the thing is when I, the very first time I saw that Waco pool, I said, someone's going to die. I guarantee you. I, matter of fact, I even called Shane. I told us, Shane, someone's going to die. You know? I mean, they haven't. Not, I, from brain, not from braining, eating amoebas. No. For some other reason. I didn't think of that. But there was that other guy that died, drowned, you know? Yeah. So. Because what, though? Because it was, I mean, back to the liner, what? What's, okay, the problem. How could it be liner? not like a swimming pool? A swimming pool doesn't have a liner. Some do. They, they, they do build some that way, but those are the cheap pools. I mean, the reason they, okay. they build and use liners is because they're dirt cheap. You yeah. Know? But okay. the, the, what happens in the physics of liners and waves, you got the dirt underneath. You put the liner and then you got the wave here, right? Then what happens is <clears throat> when you got wave, you got, you know, this trough and followed by a crest. Well, then that pressure you got this moving pressure field that's moving through the pool right and a cubic foot of water 64 pounds so if you've got you know five feet of water what three three hundred and you know 20 whatever it is pounds you got all this weight well that's pushing down and it's squeezing if there's water underneath that liner and there's a hole which there always is always will be a hole it pushes through and it makes a little squirt and it's squirting that thing and it's just every time it makes a wave it's starting to move at those seams because liners the way they build them they put them like six foot liner they put just these huge seams that keep going down and those just fail they're going to fail when they fail then all the dirt underneath gets in and the entire water's dirty and the chlorine just eats up you can't keep it sanitized and you know it's a loser so what do you have as a bottom just a straight concrete bottom because because wave garden's concrete bottom isn't it yeah, we we use the one in Palm Springs is pure concrete. Yeah, yeah. Is is that the? I mean, is that the best way forward? Is just a pure concrete poured slab, more or less. Realistically, that's the way to do it. The forces are just too great and too much. Call it dynamic loads. That there's no other. Call it in terms of cost and performance. That's the most logical way to do it. I guess I always just assumed that everybody's pouring slabs below these things, but they're not, you're telling me. When you say pouring slabs for the... It would, I just assumed they were all swim, basically what I assume as a swimming pool, right? Like a poured yeah. concrete slab with something laid over top. No, they tried to cheap out in the beginning, but now they're going to go back. <laughs> they're going to be pouring. Was Waco okay. originally, was it originally a, a dirt bottom, was it? Originally, Waco yeah. was... What was uh, concrete on a very small part of it, and then they had liner. Then they went back in and replaced all the liner, or not all of it. So, every, all of it. so everybody dropped in doughboys. Everybody went and straight doughboyed. They thought, we want a sweet swimming pool. What's better than a swimming pool when you can pay half as much and get a doughboy? Exactly. What's, wow. a, what's a doughboy for Australian listeners? <laughs> 
Doughboy, Doughboy was what I had as a child, since my family can never afford a, afford a swimming pool, which is the portable pool you throw up in your backyard with the stands and the... Yeah, it had the, all, all it is. It had the little steel trusses and, and the yeah. aluminum, and then you would flip the thing over and put the clamps around it, the whole bit. Yep. Right? And it lasts three months if you're totally lucky and no one's doing a cannonball. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Tom, originally you were saying that um, you were worried that someone was going to die in the in the Waco pool. Um, why was that? I don't think we get to that. Well, number one, the filth in the water, the dirt, the garbage, you know, and and you got to have a you got to have some type of residual chlorine, and some sanitizer, either bromine or chlorine, you know, because what happens is there's just too much of a propensity for it's been a commercial. I'm talking a commercial environment not a home or a house or something if you want to do your own but if you're a commercial and there's third parties that that participate in the activity you can't have it not have a, a residual sanitizer to be able to handle those pathogens and viruses and amoebas and i mean just keep going down the list man you're gonna die that's number one and then secondly probably even the dirt i mean come on put your hand under water you couldn't even see your hand how sick sick <laughs> You know, no, that's not. But how good was the dye? Did you let the lime green dye? Oh God, tidy bold blue. Come on, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> you know? So what? So back to the Yapoon pool. So it, it has the you know it obviously takes a lot of real estate and the, the plunger. I imagine is quite expensive. What are, what are, what are the other pros and cons? Because it looks it looks amazing. You know, they have five yeah. ledges. Yeah, it does. You know, and there is a place for that. Don't get me wrong. I think they're in the a one in the world type of deal in, in like uh, Dubai, maybe I don't know. You, there's it could be insane just because it is so absurd. You know, I mean, look at that thing. How how punk? What do they call it? Steampunk? It, yeah, steampunk. Perfect. It's pure steampunk. It's Mad Max Redux. It is. It's built for Australia. Oh, it is so yeah. good. On the one hand, it's I, perfect. I love it. You know. On the other hand, I go no, 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 no. <laughs> so. Where Derek? Derek, do you know where they've sold? Because they've sold a bunch of theoretical licenses, right? I believe there's a theoretical license sold to a theoretical development on the Gold Coast. <laughs> so, but but only in Australia. Nobody's theoretically. Well, it's funny. I've got an Israeli friend who's been um, uh, threatening to build one in Tel Aviv for uh, for a few years, and uh, a a Yapoon, a plunger. Well, he has been speaking to the Yapoon guys, and he's spoken to Kelly's people, and uh, and so on. But it's, for me, it, it seems like it's it's American wave machines or wave garden. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know why, or I don't know why anyone would 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 go with anything else because those things are proven. People like them. They might not be perfect, but people do like them, and they and they do work, and they yeah. And they can, sure. But to Tom's point, I mean, the, the one time I served a Flowrider, Tom, was in Dubai. And I really had to curse and scream at the operator to allow me to stand on my feet. He insisted that it was a bodyboard thing. And they didn't have the whatever. I did not sign the liability, apparently, or I think I did even. And they still, but yeah, I popped my feet and just got sucked right over the balls and <laughs> smashed on the ground, just loving every second of it. But like a... Stinking plunger in Dubai. I'm sure you've been. To, how much? How much time have you done in Dubai? You've had to do a bunch of time in Dubai. Yeah, I, I have. I actually put a double flow barrel in the Sheikh's yeah. palace. 
Oh, it's epic. Epic. See, I mean, your Dubai stories would be a whole book. Yeah, tell us about I'm the sure. tell us about the Sheikh's double double flow rider. Well, he he has this pad. It's got to be at least ten acres. So you know, it's right on the water, and he, in order to get in there, you go through this heavy security. And they've got the whole airport thing, everything. And so one of my in this classic, one of my guys, of course, you're not allowed to have your phone zip. You have your phone, okay? Well, here's what happened. My one of my guy, one of my work guys, right? He goes in. He's got his phone, <laughs> idiot. And of course, they grab him. Luckily, he was an American citizen because, you know, here he the guys go, hey, we want to tell you what would happen if you weren't American. See those dog kennels over there? And they had these plastic dog kennels with screen. Of course, it's 120 out, right? He goes, look inside. And he goes over there. I kid you not. There were two guys inside these dog kennels. They were, you know, what, Bangladeshi guys or something like that. It was insane. You know, and, and here, so he had to leave that, that day. Get out of the country. Like that. So anyway, that kind of shows you the, the, the status. Very of serious stuff. about security. Yeah, very serious. So, but how sick was his American citizen saved you from, from the hands of an Arab. So anyway, they, but the wave itself was incredible. I mean, in, in the size and I, my luck, there's a, one of the guys, Eric, uh, Eric Silverman, he, he's one of the top riders, you know, he, 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 he loves to go over there and fix that thing. Cause they let him ride it for, a day. Oh. you know, of course he's testing it. Right. So it's the only one in the world though. at Baba Z's is yeah, compound full, full private. Full just oh, he, and he, that's epic. And he, and he only used it. He constant he he runs the water because it gets so hot. You don't want it to you know. He runs the water. He just lets it run, and no one's riding it for months at a time. I mean, <laughs> come on. Oh god. How much does it cost to build a double flow rider in your in your palace? That was that was over four and a half million for me. Oh, we could sell Derek. We could sell Beachcare for that right now. <laughs> Tom, did you sound like you got a bit of cash, Tom? <laughs> I'll come up for a water in Tess's backyard. No, I go through money. I've gone through hundreds of millions. I, I just spend, I don't care. I just, it's, to me, it's green energy, man. I just go, whoa, I spend that money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom, can you talk to me about the, um, when we were emailing back and forth, you want to talk about the environmental paradox of wave pools because you have the situation where you have a pool in a desert, yeah. sucking up tons of water, water evaporating and being packaged as an eco device. So can you talk to me about the environmental paradox? Yeah, it is true because wave pools are a full environmental disaster. I mean, I, I, on its face, they're, they're not to be. They shouldn't happen, you know, on the one hand. And a number of reasons. One is the, how much power they use. Like, you know, I'm, I put in these waves, you know, they're like five megawatts, you know, to get a really good wave, you know? Like the one in, in Palm Springs, not now, but when they do it, it's going to be huge, right? How many how many megawatts did it take to send Marty McFly back to the future? <laughs> was it was it five megawatts? I don't, that one, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was. I think it takes five megawatts to send a man into the future. <laughs> well, there you go. See, <laughs> so, I mean, the other thing is the concrete. Concrete, because to make concrete you know the lime and that whole process when they mix all the components it, they have to heat it up to like 3500 degrees and, and 
that energy to heat that up is very costly. And, and so you got huge CO2 footprint for these pools, along with, as you point out, the water. <clears throat> and, but with that said, on the flip side from a surfer, and the reason I'm doing this is those are just transient problems to be solved. It's not, you, you can't get caught up in a ludite, you know, you know, mindset. I mean, don't get on this, you, you gotta look at the problem when we solve the problem. So for me, that's what we gotta do. And I've gotta, you know, I'm gonna take my profits out of, out of these new circles, assuming I don't, you know, I, I can, you never know if, if that's why I can't say, even though I firmly believe I got the best tech, you never know what's gonna happen in the real world. You know, you, you could have the best of everything. Just look what happened to Sony and Beta and the VHS, or I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other examples, you know, where the tech might be better. That doesn't matter. It, it, there's always some other, there's a million other factors that come into play. But assuming as I succeed, which I will, then what happens is I'm gonna take that money and solve these other problems. I mean, I'm working on these other solutions for like hydrogen and hydrogen power as a vehicle to solve some of that energy stuff and serves as a battery at the same time, you know, because hydrogen, you know, that bond, that covalence, you know, is so significant. You know, you can really, it is a really powerful vehicle to store energy. And I think that would be good. Photovoltaics are good. I don't think- Theoretically, Palm Springs has all wind power. Could you theoretically wind, wind power a wave pool? Pumped, absolutely. Yeah, Palm Springs is a perfect vehicle for, for probably solar there. It would be the best. Yeah. You know, but it's, you know, these things take time. So you got to give it, you got to look at it over probably 20, 30 years, you know, and, and cause think of it this way that we got, um, say Shane, Magnuson calling you. Was, <laughs> Tom, the thing doesn't work. The thing's fucked. <laughs> We're canceling everything. You're not making a damn sin. I know. I did have some problems out there the other day, but we fixed it. <laughs> but the, you got to look at it in terms of every day. You know how much energy is coming out of the sun and hits our earth? I mean, come Hundreds on. Hundreds of watts. Hundreds. Just, mil, just so many megawatts, man. We're not even touching the surface. You know, and that's just awesome. one source of power. I mean, come on. You know, and, and so we can solve all those problems. I kid you not. And that's what I'm going to help doing. I'm not necessarily going to be the guy, but you never know. I got my ideas. I'm no scientist, but I feel if you got Kalani Rob on a treadmill out there every day, you could probably fire at least six waves a day <laughs> on Kalani alone. You just I lap them. That. that guy just <laughs> charges. Absolutely charges. You could you could run a little plow across his six pack back and forth to create the energy. Or you just sit up. So Tom, with the um, with the um, the Palm Beach pool, you know people have seen it in its um, in its sort of I guess proof of concept phase, is it? But it's going to be a lot. It's going to be demolished and rebuilt a lot bigger. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So It'll what's be gonna, double? What's it going to look like? Well. The, what decide what defined the shape was funny the property line the way the setbacks work you know so I, I had to tweak the alignments 
of the caissons to get it. But that also results in different energy, how it, the energy transfers out into the pool. So it's going to be a really unique setup that allows it to do, uh, you know, some pretty phenomenal wedges. I, and I think that's what Shane's really into. So it should be a good one. I think we'll probably, you know, just to keep expectations in line, I think the wave height, you know, if I was to bet, see, because we're fighting a couple things. One, the, the shoaling in, in the way the refraction works right now, it's not ideal under that current pool topography, you know, the bathymetry. So <clears throat> we'll be able to tune that up. You know, we'd be getting another foot out of it. That's my goal, you know, maybe more. And then, um, um, but it'd be a lot longer way, you know, so we have that opportunity. So it should be a really good one. And will it be um, a, a right firing from one side and left firing from the other side? Or will one session be all lefts, one session be all rights? How will it, how will it work? It's going to be an A-frame. Ah. So you can backdoor it. Ooh, yeah, that'll be cool. In this house, every door is a backdoor, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but a beautiful blue water, warm water uh, A-frame is, um, is, is pretty dreamy, yes? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be. It'll you're going to be headed straight back to the Sheikh's backyard with this new technology. Is what you're going to be doing is demolishing the double barrel Flowrider for this right here. <laughs> That's the goal. Have you have you had chat with Dubai yet? Oh yeah, for sure you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I have, and I I have I've got a couple going in. One in Vegas, a big one in Vegas. You know, Phoenix. You know, a couple in California. Um, the new tech or the Flowrider? No, this is the new tech. I, I'm zero with Flowrider, so uh, everything's all circles. You you should gift uh, Vegas, I feel, to the plunger. I feel you could put a hotel on top of that thing, on top of the plunger coming down, and there we go. It's like the stratosphere. You need a giant lift to get a glass around it and people could stand yeah. in the plunger and go under yeah. oxygen tanks. Uh, you guys. So that what, would, what um, does, does your tech resemble um, any any current tech? What's what, what would be its closest kind of? Well, it's it's just pneumatics and in in, in what we call caissons, which are yeah. What's a caisson? You keep saying caisson, and other people say caisson. Yeah, Shane Magnuson, Shane Magnuson was talking caissons and bathymetry like he was an engineering major. Yeah, no, hey, Shane is a natural. He is really good. You got, I gotta hand it to him. But I mean, you, you and stinking Shane Magnuson are going to change surfing for the foreseeable <laughs> a weird redhead kid of a Swedish skateboarder from Maui and you. That's uh, got to feel pretty good. No, it, it'll be good. We, I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface. You guys are going to be stuck. I, I feel pretty confident that over time, it's realistically, we're probably 10 years out, but it'll be, it'll be good. You know, I, and I think the way it'll work is, well, well first to answer your question about a caisson versus a chamber, versus, what happens in pneumatic technology is, is you have a big box at the deep end of the pool that's connected to blowers. And these blowers just create either pressure, like in the American Wave Machine case, or for us, we, we do a combination of pressure and vacuum. And when you, when you, you know, you, you control, you, you basically suck up the water, you create a vacuum, 
think of the rest of the pool pushes down so it makes the water go up, right? And then, or pressure, it just pushes it down. And it's how you control that, call it stroke, internal to the, to the caisson or the chamber is what manifests in terms of an energy pulse out into the pool. It doesn't transfer the water. You can't get caught up in thinking that it's water going out there. It's just, it, it quickly when it, when that, because think of it this way, nature abhors a vacuum, right? So you, you, you push down, that water starts to go out. So yeah, you're introducing water in the pool, but you stop and then it goes back. So that same water, it can't, it can't keep going. It's gotta go back up into the caisson. And so what, the, what happens then is it translates into a wave phenomena over about uh, probably within 20 feet, you know, ballpark. It, 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 and then what happens, it's just pure orbital motion of the water column, exactly the same as the ocean, exactly. No difference. Na nature abhors a vacuum. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> vacuums are uncool. Vacuum, vacuums are the straight white males of nature. Yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say something else, but no, you're right. <laughs> Gotta be Is it true? Yeah. But what about a black hole? Isn't a black hole a vacuum, essentially? Well, let's think. Well, let's think. You have doesn't doesn't all of nature want to become a vacuum? Let's be honest. No, I think well, once we had the big boom, I don't think yeah. you're not going back. So, okay. So there's gonna be mass and protons and you know, but you might have it evenly distributed after infinity, you know. Okay. Actually. But wait, but but we'll be uh that'll be a while off. We don't have to think about that one. Okay. Beyond <laughs> our event horizon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, Thomas, anyone told you look like Robert Duvall made stock from Back to the Future? No. What? He looks so much like Robert Duvall from um, Apocalypse Now. I mean, completely. He is, a, he is an exact combination of Robert Duvall and Doc from Back to the Future. Hey, That's did, what got me onto the megawatts. Did, did you guys ever remember uh, the in... What was the movie that had the surfing where the guys were in the helicopter going out in Vietnam? Yeah, Hawkins Hawk now. Okay. That's you. That's you. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's put a cowboy so, hat on for us. Okay. Apoc Apocalypse Now, when, when Marlon Brando was describing, was it a snail or a slug or something on the edge of a razor? Yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I totally. I think it was a slug. I'm totally wrong, just that, like I was with the Waco death count. But that is clearly what defines insanity. Yeah, it was a good one. Such a classic movie. I mean, such a fine film. Who could name the book that Apocalypse Now was based on? Oh, please! Are you kidding? <laughs> Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Boom! Wasn't it Lord Jim? Was Lord Jim another one of his books? Uh, it was Heart of Darkness was the book. Lord Jim was the character. I'm sorry. Lord Jim was another. It was Heart of Darkness, though, was the book. Uh, yeah. Lord Jim might have been another book. Yeah, Lord, Lord hey, Chase, were you, were you a pure literary guy? No. I'm a, just a 
like subliterate human being <laughs> who just accidentally fell in love with reading way too late in life. And so that's why I can chew stuff out and think that I know because I'm so dumb. But yeah, I precisely don't know what I don't know. And that makes me an awesome genius. Well, the other thing is you don't react normally to things. <laughs> it's kind of like, I remember that one session you guys had where that guy hit you. What was his name? The, the guy from... Uh, Ashton? Yeah, Ashton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was classic, man. <laughs> so funny. And oh, I got to tell so you one funny. other one that was good. Was your, the letter you wrote, the, the comeback on, with the WSL on the grumpy, the grumpy, the grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was so heartfelt. I could tell that was real. You weren't bullshitting. Yeah. That was no. so heartfelt. Yeah, it was a great essay. My sticking heartfelt though, when you realize that once I write that, and I'm like, okay, that's what I really felt, and then you realize and see it in print, how dumb you are. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's I know. such a shocker. Like that's the way I really felt. I was like wiping the tears out of my eyes after posting it, going to bed feeling all good, and reading it the next morning, thinking, oh no. <laughs> Oh, no. You feel like Sal Masekela after you gave his speech at the paddle out and then um, like falls mad as Ronda Harper rips into the floor. Yeah, I don't, but I don't think Sal feels that way. I think Sal still feels like, oh man, these people coming to get me, right? <laughs> Where I knew anyone coming to get me was deserved. Like I was, I was there to be got. I felt something really bad, but that's really what I felt, Tom. No, it was, as, you, you as, could as, tell, <laughs> you, you put yourself out of them out, out there. So it was, you know, I respect that. That was good. I try. I have real beliefs that are dumb and awful, but they're still mine. Hey, Tom, there's a um, there's one thing that I guess we don't talk about too much when it comes to um, to wipers. We talk about tech, we talk about the environmental aspect, but just the the joy it does bring people. And um, I, it's funny because the best waves I've had in the last few years of my life have been at Kelly's Pool, and um, and in Melbourne, and uh, those things give you so much fucking fun. So that that must be there must be something great about doing things that are make people very, very happy. Yeah, no, and I think a lot it has to do with that. Uh, that's a real, that is like my motivator. You know, these things are, they're, that they allow you to have a vehicle to improve. Cause that's what circles and for my, what my hope to be gift and goal would be is that you can use them as a vehicle to get better so you can surf in the real world, real world in a way. Although, with that said, I guarantee there's gonna be a whole lifestyle that builds up around it, you know, and it'll be on its own. But on the other hand, I think it's so important for people to understand the, na the real natural ways and, and that, that surfing can provide that vehicle to understand cause and effect on a global, in consequence is 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 important you know i think i think that's got to happen because the environmental situation we're in we got to definitely change and i'm going to hopefully use the surf pool as a vehicle as an educational tool to let people know that there is this continuity of existence and hey guys if we don't take care of the world and we don't you know understand the the ocean and how it's affects, and if you keep, you know, dumping all your garbage into the, the atmosphere, which goes out and makes all, you know, etc. Just keep going down the chain. 
you know, we're going to end up, it'll be disaster. So that, that is clearly one of my goals for sure. And I think if you can, if you can get people to understand joy, they're going to be so much more receptive to your message. And, and that's my, you know, part of the deal. And a great thing too is parents can send their kids out. They don't have to worry about uh, sharks or anything. Yeah, but that, you know, you figure with the kids, because I had so many dads and moms come up with me, you know, when I was, uh, you know, they, they would say, you changed my kid's life. Because a lot of kids don't learn by books, right? They, they learn by physically doing something. And the aspirational opportunity that exists in surfing, and you see one of your mentors you know or you know that just can you want to look you look up to them you want to improve you want to improve when you want to improve well that process of improvement for kids in particular is it it helps them become better people and parents you know they understand that especially when they see their kid and they want to be motivated they 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 can use it as a you know carrot to allow that no that's what that's all good and that that to me is important i i want to provide that What's it got to do with sharks? You can also, you can also, crazy you can also throw some sharks though. And the Palm oh. Springs pool, I'm happy to go there and really small, tight shorts, just smoking ciggies <laughs> on the bank, just being a bad example of just a shark in another way. Okay. Not so, me. Not me yeah, dirty let, way. Let me ask you this one. You guys have this whole shark thing. It is your whole purpose to try to scare people not to go in the water? Is that the real yes. purpose? Also, people click on shark stories, or they used to. <laughs> they don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they still, they still do click on them. Just to uh, get them people back. You know, I got I when I was surfing in Guam, I was surfing a place called Boat Pass, and and I was paddling back in. Well, first of all, I I got to admit, I I got I I got finned, you know, in my leg. So here I'm paddling back out through the. Through, back through the you know the marina harbor right to get to the other side sure enough whammo i just grabbed my leg i had to go get 35 stitches in my in my you, bit, you, got, you got shark nailed yeah i got oh you're a shark attack survivor yep yeah oh I, uh, my goodness so but oh, luckily whole... it, it hit my bone <laughs> it didn't get the meat it got the bone this is a whole... the, Front of I'm going to start pushing this narrative out, whether you like it or not, of the reason that Tom builds pools is because he was a shark attack survivor. <laughs> Go ahead. You <laughs> have my permission. <laughs> you guys can say whatever you want. <laughs> do you have a big scar on your leg? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I mean, that's amazing. Do right on my shin. Right on my shin. Well, last, I mean, check this out. Last summer, in shore, because I moved to the, I used to live at Winnesee, and so, you know, I was right on the beach there. But I moved to the shores. I got stung three times. Three. Stung stingray? Stingrays, yep. Were you shuffling? You weren't shuffling. I was. I kid you not, man. I don't, I just, <laughs> what can I say? You know? Anyway. Is Shores a lovely place? Where's Shores? La Jolla Shores? You know, it's, it's just right where I surf is scripts, which is, you know, what? I could walk to Blacks, you know, it's maybe, what, half a mile or something? Wow, oh, man. you're rich as fuck. No. It's great energy, Derek. I blow through. Have you been listening? Giant dildos, private wave pools, hanging machines. 
You're no, it's pretty. It's pretty humorous, man. You, <laughs> you figure. I'm sure you guys get all the time people contacting you and want to give you millions, right? Yeah, all the time. We've had some pretty regularly. Yeah, I, I turned I, down. I turned down more of those offers a day than I know what to do with. <laughs> we tend to get offers where they say we'll give you five thousand dollars to write a seventy thousand word novel or take two years. <laughs> That's Derek, Derek and I are caught. Derek and I are beautifully caught. Oh, my damn friend just told me spine, put spines on the shelf. That's the only thing that matters is spines on the shelf. And I took it as advice. And uh oh, <laughs> spines on the shelf. Yeah, I could be like Dostoevsky, a drunken gambler living off my wife. Yeah, well, you figure you figure beach grit though. You guys, you guys do for for your e mag to me. You guys are the biggest by far in my world. I mean, I don't know in the real world, but well, ten, times, the real ten world, times bigger than WSL. In the real world, we are by far the biggest surf thing. Yeah, which yeah. is like being the biggest, yeah, biggest mouse in a pygmy mouse colony. Colony. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Tom, so how much? How much is it going to, does it cost to build one of your pools in on your on your hunk of land? If you're a rich man and you want to get a Tom Lochtefeld pool, and what would be the process? <laughs> Actually, I do have one going back in Connecticut right now. It's going to this rich guy's backyard. Bullshit, really? Yeah, I'm head, I got one of my guys out there now, and the whole rest of the crew goes out there Monday. It'll open. He, where, it's in Connecticut. Where, I can't, a, he's too A rough ge geographical. Just Connecticut. A rough Connecticut. Connecticut, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's in Connecticut. And uh, it's not a big wave pool. I mean, the thing's... Size-wise, it's like Olympic pool, a little bit longer than Olympic pool, but it'll have a five-foot wave. Well, is, he, is he a surfer? Is Palm Beach one? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a, surfer. a surfer. Yeah. Loves I, it. I've got a couple other really wealthy guys that want to put it, in their, and you think of it, they're going more and more that way because, you know, you could imagine, you know, you, you, you get real money, and you, you got to be really careful because people are – out to get you, you know. So, thinking Robert Duvall meets, yeah, not whatever. Are you? Are you? I mean, are you charlataning them? <laughs> no, no. I just, I just accommodate their needs. <laughs> what does it cost? What does it cost to build one of those nice little five footers in your backyard? Probably on out. Say it depends on soils condition, but ballpark, you know, between eight to ten million. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, and, and does right. that I feel and and what, feel what about um so it's all set up and you've got your little computer and you can just get up in the morning go on this and away you go left right you know full-on air sections yeah no it's good jesus would you derek would you do this if you could if you had 10 million dollars dropped in your lap and a let's say a modest home say inland suburban sydney mm. you're leaving bondi right I would happily, I would happily leave the beach and live at a wave pool. I would work from like you're there. I wouldn't, wouldn't care if I ever saw the ocean again. Well, I figure we can make, we can make you ten million bucks, right? I'm sure we can. But I mean, if that's what the Tom Lockfell private pool costs, yeah, I'll, I'll get you guys. If you, I got to ask, of course. Don't, don't get me wrong. But assuming the guys don't matter and you guys get freed up on your air travel. You get out to Connecticut too, man. You got to oh, check it out. Oh, oh my God! I'm talking our fucking lingo. I love Connecticut too. We'd have to put a bag over your head from the airport, though. 
That's okay. I'll when you, when you get a beef I've worn bags mate. proudly before. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your dildo on a bag, mate. We'll be fine. <laughs> hey, hey, Tom, we're often going out to advertisers. And uh, when we spoke to Eric Logan, who's the CEO of the WSL, we asked him to give us an advertising spiel. And he gave us a really good advertising spiel. Because we're the voice of authenticity and um, you know, we're the core of surfing. We're, this, we're so much bigger than the WSL and we're so much bigger than everyone else. But you're, a, you're obviously a salesman if you can sell white pools to um, rich men in Connecticut. What would be your spiel if you're coming trying to sell beach grip to someone? Uh, you don't have to sell me. I mean, you know, I, you're, you're going, I, to the, you're going to a rich man saying beach grip is. What would be the sales pitch for a master salesman? Well, first, you look at your market, you know? I mean, you guys, it's all digital. That's number one. You're right at the demographic that to me is probably the sweet spot. I mean, do you guys get an analytics for all the, the who, your play, who your viewers are and how much money they got and all that stuff or no? Yeah, we get all that. It's just, you know, it's sort of 25 to 45. Everyone's, you know, 50 grand plus. Except yeah. for the commentators are on unemployed or in jail <laughs> well it, it's those extremes i understand but still you know I, I mean it seems to me that you guys you guys are in this absolute sweet although the downside is male i would say is what 90 percent male not surprised it's actually about yeah 60 40 i was so surprised when I, really yeah it's incredible that is the, the women just don't comment uh-huh yeah they yeah. just think nasty I mean, shit Understand. By the way, Gen C is that? Is she a woman? Just she's a woman who's epic. Yeah. Gen C is a PhD in history. Oh, classic! I, you yeah. guys, I tell you, you get you attract. Do you get a bunch of other? <laughs> thinking that she's the thinking man sex symbol. Everyone's lovely. She wrote a story about a year ago how she bought a red bikini, and I think that's been occupying so many of our readers' thoughts ever since. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, no, that's class. No, you guys are. I think you're just, the, you know. You're, you're hitting all the spots to me. Seems logical. I, I just don't know your world that well, though. You know. Is Connecticut but, man looking for a um, fun little uh, side biz? In, in, <laughs> tell, tell me in what zone or what in what what type of biz? Well, I got Connecticut man. He's got his wave pool, but maybe he just wants to connect with the um, surfing community. Imagine if you own beach grid, how happy you'd be. Just think. Just think. I mean, that's a problem, though. You guys are beach grit. <laughs> we'll come and live with you. You guys though. can't leave. What's that? We'll be a couple of Yankees in Connecticut. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Derek and I would be sold. My wife is standing right here and would be so happy to sell both me and Derek for anything she could get. Yeah, I was just yeah, telling with us. us. What? I've got, I've got three children and a, um, and a son. <laughs> Bring with me. Yeah, I feel like the Beverly Hillbillies are. Huh? We struck gold. We struck oil. Some Texas tea. But, but don't you guys, I mean, how much to figure it this way? Can't you guys be doing other businesses simultaneously or no? Oh, we're not smart like you, Tom. We don't have multiple. Maybe Charlie has multiple degrees. I know. I, got, I mean, I have, my, I have a linguistics degree, Tom. I have my master's in applied linguistics. <laughs> Can you use that? Wave creation? I'm still trying to figure out that one. You know, with that linguistics, though, you figure... You know, now it's all going with the computerized artificial intelligence and linguistics. Is I mean, that's where Google and those guys are going nuts right now. You know, all that. 
I think, I think every journalist um, ends up working for Google. Every journalist I know is now working for Google. Yeah. Does that mean you have to learn? Yeah, I, mean, I unplugged the earphones, Tom, and now my wife is listening in to your career advice for me, and I'm screwed. You just got me a Google job. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom, before before you go, because I think, I think um, Chad's taking off too, but um, uh, five years from now, what's it going to look like? What's the wave pool landscape going to look like? The projects take a really long time. That's the downside. I mean, I've had projects going now for four or five years. I mean, the, you know, themselves, they're still going. They, the entitlement process is so huge because they're so big and there's so much money, you know. But with that said, you're going to start seeing more and more pools. I mean, I have in my head, I got so many op different ways to do it. And, and it, I'm just waiting to evolve the system because you want to start out you want to make it successful. You want to get the revenue. And in the step one, which we still do not have, is the revenue model. So you got to, you got to make the thing economically viable to support the capital, right? Otherwise, you're not going to get the money. And, and, it, and we got to have these things be hugely successful. And whether that, and, and who's going to prevail as far as the seller, the vendor of that, is going to be the one who who you're going to see out there. I personally believe it's going to be me, but you know, in Surflock, on the flip side, you know, I, who knows, you know, what's going to happen. But the winner is going to be the one who's got the the cash machine, and and that can tick all the boxes and make it viable. Now, with, and as I said though, for me, if I get the money, I'm going to put it back into the solving all the problems that surf pools cause inherently you know you got you got this dynamic but you know you, you got to start somewhere and the first one is you got to make the money so that's it so you're you're you're, you're you want to be the elon musk of, of wave pools so surf like is effectively tesla i like i have a tesla i, I got an ass you do. No. You got a fucking house on the beach a tesla right over it <laughs> Why don't you have a DeLorean? I don't Tom. have. Tom, no, I, if I come down and pick you up in a DeLorean, can <laughs> I take you out on the town? No, no. You got to have an electric car. Now, I was thinking about it. Would I get, because I used to have Porsches and Mercedes and all that, right? No, 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 man. You, you got to go electric now. You got to. You look down. If I'm sitting here, I look down at a Lamborghini. Those guys that are driving those, you know, Ferraris, and, no, no, man. They're, they're on the lower level. Man, it was classic. I was up against this this uh, souped up Mercedes <laughs> and I just slammed and just, he was left in the dirt. So anyway. What Tesla do you, do you have? I have the Model S, you know. Is that, the, you have, you have, have, what's that? Do you have it with the pack that has insane speed or ludicrous? Well, I, I, I'm gonna get, I ordered the uh, truck with the, tri with the triple motor. Oh, the then, robo truck. Yeah. You have, what? I'm gonna get the truck. Oh, <laughs> my goodness! No, that's classic. How are you gonna get a cyber truck? You're gonna have wave pools and cyber trucks and fuck. It's like peering into the future here. <laughs> it is. It is. I don't want this podcast to end. I just want to stay here forever. <laughs> nah, you figure it this way. What we got to do is we're in. I mean, look. I'm like what? Almost seventy, getting up there, you know. And what happens? Oh. I still surf, but I'm I, I'm starting to see what age is about, 
and, and physically how the systems start to degrade, you know, which is interesting phenomena to kind of witness. And, and, but with that said, I firmly believe that within your guys' lifetime, we will come up with a mechanism for epigenetic, call it revitalization, such that those people with money, they're not going to die. I mean, that's what's going that's another thing that's going to happen soon. Pretty trippy, you know? So kind of you. Yeah, you mean Chaz are doomed and you're going to live forever? They're going to both dead next year, I think, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to stay somewhat healthy. Don't, don't kill yourself. <laughs> hey, Tom, it's been beautiful chatting with you. Thank you for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank you, guys. And I, I, I promise you, I'm going to invite the Beach Grit Cruise gets to come out to one of my pools one of these dates. You guys, we're going to have a party. You guys are going to come out. We'll be good. I'll fucking drive with Charlie from LA to Connecticut. Fucking just, you just. Oh my goodness. I will, do, I will paddle down any river to get to you. All right. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Good. Adios. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.